right. Good morning, everybody. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 3, and we'll be at verse 13 is where we'll start. So Matthew 3, 13. I do want to thank Jesse and the team, the worship team, the tech team. What a, what a great worship experience this morning. Uh, just awesome. We're in this series that, you know, by now we're, we're in a series called Jesus, where all this year we're just going to talk about Jesus. Is that okay? All right. That's what we're going to do. And we're looking at his life events uh, and teachings that's recorded by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And today's life event will be centered around his baptism. I'm really thankful for Pastor Michelle earlier talking about us being baptized and what that means. But I really want to look at it from the standpoint of Jesus being baptized, what it meant for him, which has big implications, big implications for us. And the title I came up with for today is Stand Your Ground. I know that's a legal term. Um, in our culture, it's a legal term, which means to be able to use deadly force when believed necessary for self-defense against a violent crime. So instead of retreating, instead of escaping, instead of hiding from the violent attack, the person stands their ground in self-defense. I don't want to talk any more about that. We have attorneys in here that can speak better about that than I ever could. But here's where I'm going with that title. Did you know spiritually, in our minds and our hearts, we get violently attacked? Do you believe that? And some of you are like, uh, what do you mean violently attacked in our minds and hearts? I'm talking about there actually is something or someone that wants to kill your identity. Like kill your purpose and your fruitfulness. Someone that wants to really destroy your faith. Like second guess, why am I even following Jesus? Someone that wants to wipe out your hope, your joy, and your peace. And what I want to propose to you today is that instead of retreating against those attacks, running from it, you know, escaping in some way, that God actually wants you to stand your ground in him. Now, I'm preaching already. Thank you, Lord. But I want, I want to talk about how in the world do we do that? How can we stand our ground in the face of, of attacks, violent attacks in our minds and our hearts? I'm telling you, Jesus' baptism gives us two primary ways that we can always stand our ground no matter the attacks that come in our minds and our hearts. So let's jump into it. Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Of course, this is talking about John the baptizer, John the Baptist, uh, John the, the Baptist, he came to prepare the way of the Lord. And he did that by testifying of the coming Christ he, and witnessing about him. But he also did that by preaching repentance and baptizing people. And actually, and we won't go there, but just verses before this, Matthew 3, 6, it was said that people were coming to John to be baptized, confessing their sins they were baptized. So John's baptism was known as a baptism of repentance, a baptism where you confess your sins for the forgiveness of sins. That's John's baptism, which then brings up the question, well, why in the world would Jesus be coming to John for baptism when John's baptism is a baptism of repentance, confession, and forgiveness of sin? Well, 
I think John asked the same question. Because look at the next verse. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? John is trying to prevent Jesus from doing this. He's like, this doesn't make sense. This seems illogical. This seems like we need to switch places here. I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? I really want you to think about the magnitude of this moment. Think about what happened before this moment. You can read this in John 1, verses 27 through 30. But before this moment, John has already testified about the Christ, that he is unworthy to untie or carry the sandals on the feet of Christ. John has already testified about Jesus, that Jesus, he's the one coming that won't baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit, which means Jesus, this one that's coming, is the judge. Before this moment, John has already seen Jesus from a distance and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, which was a startling statement. Startling. Everybody would have thought, wait a minute, John, don't you mean look, the Lamb of God who takes away Israel's sin? Don't you mean, look, the Lamb of God who takes away Jewish sin? John is like, no, look, the Lamb of God who takes away Roman sin, your enemy's sin. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Before this moment, John has already testified about Jesus. This one in coming Jesus has surpassed me because he's before me, which means, you know what? I was born before Jesus. Who cares? He's always existed. He's God. That's happened before this moment. Now, in this moment, John and Jesus are face-to-face -face in the Jordan. What would you do if you were John? And I hope no one's arrogant enough to say, well, I would just baptize him and just do what Jesus said. <laughs> of course, John tried to prevent this. Oh, my goodness. You'd be thinking the same thing, saying the same thing. I don't need to be baptized. I need to be baptized by you. You don't need to be baptized by me, Lord. Well, here's how Jesus responds to John's resistance. Next verse. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It doesn't come across in the English very well. But that's an imperative. It's a command. Jesus is insisting that this happens. Here's why. Because it is proper, it's fitting for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Jesus says the reason this has to happen is to fulfill all righteousness. Now, what does that mean? All righteousness means to meet God's requirements, to live a perfect life, to live up to the standards and meet the Father's requirements. Obviously, Jesus did not meet John's requirements, did he? The requirements for John's baptism is that you have sin to repent from, sins to confess, 
sins to be forgiven for. Here's a situation where Jesus did not meet the requirements, but he's not there to meet John's requirements. He's there to meet God the Father's requirements who says, hey, Jesus, I want you to go be numbered with the transgressors, be identified with them, don't sin, no, and save them. He's there to meet the Father's requirements. Now, don't miss the magnitude of Jesus saying that. If I ask you, what did Jesus do for you? Most of us, including me, would say, would say something. Well, Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins. And you're right. He did do that for you. He did more than that. He only died for you. He lived for you. Did you know that? He lived the life you and I should have lived. He lived meeting the Father's requirements so that he went, when he went to the cross, he was a perfect, one-time, all-sufficient sacrifice. And so that when he went to the cross, his perfect righteousness that he fulfilled could be transferred to you and your unrighteousness transferred to him. He has fulfilled all righteousness for you. And it really brings up a crucial way that you can always Stand your ground in this life. And the first crucial way is you got to believe you are all right. You got to believe you are all right. Because Jesus fulfilled all righteousness for you. You need to be confident in your mind, confident in your heart that Jesus lived the life for you and transferred it to you. He fulfilled all righteousness. For you. Say after me, I am all right. right. One more time, I am all right. That's what you really need to absorb in your mind and heart. I'm not talking about living a life that now, how you doing? I'm all right. Well, why is your life imploding? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just having it stuck in your mind and your heart. I'll never ever have to lose footing in my walk with Christ because Jesus fulfilled all righteousness. For me, I talked to so many people. I mean, I, I, I disappointed my family. I let them down. I let so-and-so down. You were never holding them up, right? And you start losing your footing and all this stuff. And, and, and here's the thing. And uh, let me talk for a minute. I, I, I have been a Christian for a number of years now. And I have had to unlearn some things in my walk. I don't know about you, but I have to. Here's one of the things I had to unlearn. Whenever I messed up, whenever I failed in some way, whenever I let my family down, whenever I let bosses down, things like that, whenever I just, you know, messed up in some way, let anger get the best of me, let selfishness get the best of me, let fear get the best of me, I would lose my footing in Christ. I would start running in different directions. I would run in one of two ways. One way was that I would start disconnecting from people. I would start disconnecting from God, like run and hide. And instead of believing his righteousness was upon me, I started believing, no, 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 uh, guilt and shame are upon me. And I let it overwhelm me. And I isolate and just run. I, I would go in that direction. Or the other direction I would go to is when I screwed up or something, is say, oh my gosh, I've got, to, I've got to make up for what I did. I've got to do all these good things to start tilting the scale of God's grace in my favor. I've got to make up for what I've done. And, and when I started running in those two directions, I started realizing, you know what? This doesn't change anything. 
All it does is leave me in this cycle of, of you know, eventually coming around, but then I, I start doing the same thing over and over again. Come around, but do the same thing over and over again. I started asking myself this question that I think we're going to put up here. What are ways I can break the cycle? Like, what are ways I can break this pattern? How can I change this? And I would ask myself this, and the way I would answer this question, and I would hear people from the church answering the question this way as well, is that the way you break the cycle is you read your Bible more, pray more, go to church more, serve more, blah, blah, blah. And don't hear me wrong. Those are good things. Okay, do those things. But I'm telling you, there's something else foundational here. What are ways I can break the cycle? What if I told you the answer to that question has nothing to do with you doing more and trying harder, but it has everything to do with you believing more who Christ is and what he's done for you? But no, 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 I've got to at least do some good things and make up for what I did. I've got to live a righteous life and give it to God. If that's your belief, you don't believe the gospel. The gospel is you don't live a righteous life and give it to God. The gospel is that Jesus lived a righteous life and gave it to you. Did you know that? Let's put that on the screen. Jesus lived a righteous life and gave it to you. The gospel is never I've got to live a righteous life and give it to God. The gospel is always Jesus lived a righteous life and gave it to you, and you take that to heart. When you really are confident of that, then you know that you know that you know. When you mess up, sin is never, ever an occasion to start running for God. I gotta tilt the scales in my favor. I gotta make up for what I did. It's never, ever an occasion to run for God. Sin, as well, is never an occasion to run from God. I think that's the next one. Sin is never an occasion to run from God. I gotta hide. I gotta disconnect. I gotta live in guilt and shame. It has nothing to do with that. Sin is always an occasion, always an occasion to remain in Him, to keep seeking Him, and knowing Him, and learning from Him. Never hiding and running and all these, going all these different directions. Sin is always an occasion really to run to God. To stand your ground in the relationship you have with him. Always. Well, back to the baptism of Jesus by John in the Jordan. Jesus is letting John the Baptist and everyone else know that part of this mission is to fulfill all righteousness and there's so many implications. Really, there's so many implications when you realize Jesus fulfilled all righteousness for you. It means you really can't face your disappointments, face your past. Not, never let it identify you or define you, but you can face all these things. You have not lost one ounce of footing in your relationship with Christ. There's so many beautiful implications of knowing that you are all right because Jesus fulfilled all righteousness for you. Don't miss the importance of that in his baptism. Well, John consented. And John immersed Jesus in the Jordan, as we like to say as Baptists. Jesus got dunked. And Jesus got dunked in the Jordan. And now in verse 16, watch what happened. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove 
and alighting on him. And where Matthew writes, at that moment, heaven was open. I want to look real quick at how Mark records it, because it's awesome. Mark 1, verse 10, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being what? Torn open. Ooh. Torn open. It means ripped. It's like the skies were ripped open. It was, it was dramatic. It's the same language used that when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain was ripped from top to bottom. Let me tell you something. When Jesus is ripping skies and curtains, when God is ripping those things, it means he's taking action. He's intervening. And it's significant because in Isaiah 64, verse 1, the people of God, their prayer was, oh God, oh God, that you would Render open the heavens and come down at Jesus' baptism. This is God taking action. This is God intervening. This is God ripping open the heavens and coming down, revealing himself through his son. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And Isaiah would prophesy in Isaiah 11 verses 1 and 2 that the Messiah we have the Spirit descending on him like a dove. This is the confirming sign that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the Messiah. And when you read the commentaries, it's so beautiful. They bring this up and they say, you know what? In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, at the beginning of creation, the Spirit was hovering over the waters and creation happened. But here at the baptism of Jesus, the Spirit descends upon Jesus, meaning that God is bringing a new creation through his Son. The Spirit of God descends on Jesus, the Son. And then watch this, Matthew 3, verse 17. This is the next thing that happened. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with him, I am well pleased. This is my son, the voice from heaven says. Such great significance. Because in Psalm 2, verse 7, it was known that the Messianic king, God the Father would say, you are my son. Again, confirming Jesus' son is the Messiah. Whom? I love. The relationship between the Son and the Father is there's an intense love that bonds them. It's, a, it's an intense love. It literally means the beloved one. It's the heart of the relationship between the Father and his Son. This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased, which has great significance because in Isaiah 42, that begins a series of prophecies called about someone known as the suffering servant of the Lord, the one that's going to come and die as a guilt offering, as a sacrificial lamb for the people. It's in those great prophecies, beginning in Isaiah 42, that we learn of things about the suffering servant. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was pierced for our transgressions. And by his stripes, we are healed. That's in the suffering servant Prophecies, they begin in Isaiah 42, verse 1, where God says about the suffering servant, with you I delight in. With you I am well pleased. Which means that Jesus' baptism 
this voice from heaven is fitting together that the Son is both the Messiah and the suffering servant. He's the Messiah who has come to establish a kingdom that will never end, and he is the suffering servant who has come to take on the just punishment for our sins. He is both, and the Spirit of God has descended upon him to appoint him, to anoint him, and say, go out and do that mission. And so the Spirit of God descends on him and empowers Jesus for that mission to be the Messiah and the suffering servant. And immediately after, the Spirit leads him out into the wilderness where he's tempted by Satan. And Satan wants to distract Jesus from that mission as the Messiah and the suffering servant. Jesus, or Satan wants to tempt Jesus away from that mission. And that's going to be next week's life event of Jesus that we'll be talking about next week is the temptations of Jesus but I want to bring up something from the baptism of Jesus because we need to talk about the second crucial way that you and I stand our ground no matter the attacks that come in our life. And that is we need to listen to the right voice. We need to listen to the right voice. You know, following Jesus really is a spiritual battle. Following Jesus really is a fight. I always say that when someone's baptized in our baptistry up there, the most important thing we do is the corporate prayer afterwards for the individual that, that got baptized. Because I've seen it over and over again. Someone gets baptized and they go out and really into their wilderness and they're tempted and they can't handle it. But what we do is corporately we pray for that individual. Hey, let them grow in wisdom and stature and favor and give them the courage to keep going because this really is a fight. In Matthew 3, Jesus hears the voice from heaven. In Matthew chapter 4, he's going to hear the enemy's voice. In our lives, it's like one chapter of our lives, we, we, hear from the, we hear from the Father, or we hear from God. And the next chapter of our lives, we're not hearing, we're hearing other voices. And, and sometimes it's not one chapter to the next, sometimes it's just one moment from the next. And if you really want to stand your ground in the spiritual attacks that come in our minds and hearts, you need to listen to the right voice. And let me tell you something about the right voice. The right voice will never, ever cast doubt that you too are a child of God. You are his son. You are his daughter. You are his child. The right voice will never, ever, ever cast doubt that you are loved by him. Ever. If you're doubting that, you're listening to the wrong voice. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not angels, not demons, or things present, or things in the future. Nothing in all of creation, Romans 8, 38 and 39, will ever separate you from the love of Christ. If you're doubting God's love, you're listening to the wrong voice. The right voice will never, ever cast doubt on God's intense love for you. And the right voice... It will never cast doubt that you too are well-pleasing in him, that you too, he delights in you. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There really has to be a maturing point in our lives where we start to understand whatever it is, this is God is allowing in my life. This is not punishment from him. And this doesn't change the truth that I am his child. I am loved by him. 
and he delights in me. Ever. And get this, that right voice at Jesus' baptism, I think it helped him, I know it helped him to withstand the trials and the temptations that lie ahead. And I know it helped him even beyond that to, to endure all the voices that would come in, all the lies that would come in. You know, all the, the voices that came at Jesus during his ministry? Your testimony is not valid, they would say to him. You're a blasphemer. You're demon-possessed. He's raving mad. You're, you're crazy. All these voices coming at Jesus during his ministry. But Jesus knew the right voice to listen to. And that right voice helped him live one of the most purposeful and fruitful lives. Well, no, the most purposeful and fruitful life ever and will ever know. And it will do the same for you. When you listen to the right voice, you too will be able to stand your ground in the trials and the temptations. And you too, when all those other voices come at you, how could you? Who do you think you are? Just like Jesus heard, you know, you're, you're a liar. You're a failure. You're not good enough. You're alone. You know, I, I've let so many people down. All these lies, lies, lies. It'll help you to push past that. You know the right voice. You're his child. He loves you. And you are well-pleasing to him. And that right voice, as you internalize it, and you're confident in it, you know what? It's going to help you live a very purposeful and fruitful life as well. So you really want to stand your ground in the face of deadly attacks against your identity, your purpose, and all those things that come against us, then you got to believe you are all right. Jesus will feel all righteous for you. And you got to listen to the right voice. Stand your ground in these truths and never, ever give up. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word today. Thank you, Lord, that we just open it up and learn more about who you are and what you have done for us. Father, thank you for fulfilling all righteousness for me and for everyone in here. Thank you, Lord, that I never have to move in those other directions again, again of living in shame and guilt, hiding and covering up and running and all those things I used to do. Or going, God, i got to make up for what I've done. I never have to move in those directions again. I can stand my ground that you have fulfilled all righteousness for me. You lived a life for me. Thank you, Lord. Help us to internalize that truth, Lord. Help us to live out all the implications that, that has for us, the freedom that brings, the, the healing that brings, the growth that brings. Father, I thank you that you're the one who breaks the cycle. So many times I've, I've asked what are ways I can break the cycle. It's not even a good question. I need a power far greater than myself to do that. You are the only one that can do that. So, Lord, I pray we just keep our eyes on you. 
And Father, I pray that as we leave out in our own wilderness, wherever we, you lead us after today, that we'll always take that right voice to heart. Always. No matter what we tell ourselves, no matter the messages we may hear from the world or from Satan, Lord, that we are your child. Loved by you. That same intense love between the Father and the Son is the same love you have for us. And we are well-pleasing to you because we have the righteousness of Christ upon us. So, Lord, may that free us to face anything, to stand our ground in you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.